0: it's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com.
1: All right, people. Welcome back to the Cricket Unfiltered podcast. I'm Andrew Menzel. Friends and enemies call me Menes. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you?
2: Good, manners. Very um, uh, reflective of that first, reflecting on that first test match. I just realised how much I enjoyed it. And I was so wrapped up in the talking about and everything else. Just, I I didn't quite emphasise that. It was a fantastic game of cricket. Uh, It wasn't a close finish in the end, but great credit to the the Brisbane ground staff. We often hammer them for the the ground staff across Australia for producing flat pitches. Under very difficult circumstances, they produced an excellent one. And maybe this is a... Uh, A guide for Australian test preparation that you need about a month of rain. And um, if you don't get that, then uh, artificially water the pitch and get it a little bit greener because uh, I I thought it was a a thrilling test match. The only sad thing is we're almost all already at the second test match. It'll be been and gone before we know it. The Ashes will be over. Um, I think we should go back to the 1880s and we should have a a tour every two years.
1: I like it. And joining us fresh from her debut on Australian breakfast radio, sports presenter at Channel 10 Jolita Apps Appsy you've been on holiday the last couple of weeks so we haven't had you on the podcast how was your break
3: <laughs> I love that you <laughs> call it holidays so i was not holidaying at all i was at the Bathurst 1000 and i have not I can't remember the last time I had a day off. So um, I don't want to hear any of your chat. Um, but I did start, I am a little bit tired from breakfast radio. And so my alarm goes off at 3 a.m. and then I don't wow. finish here till 7 p.m. So I did start yawning when um, Paul started talking and it was nothing to do with Paul.
1: It was all to do with me. have <laughs> also um, thrown a spanner in the works by telling me your phone's running out of batteries. So, listen, there's, there's going to be some like, this is like a thriller because at <laughs> any point Jaleesa apps are just going to disappear and we we'll no, <laughs> won't know when, won't know, you know, it could be mid-sentence, it could be just when I ask her a question, something, something like that. More likely
3: it's going to be when I'm just sick of you.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, blaming the phone.
3: Yeah, just uh, saying, oh, well, um, it's the phone. But, yeah, I can't believe you haven't even um, praised me yet live to the listeners for the fact that I plugged the podcast on Breakfast Radio, on primetime radio. I plugged mm. the podcast. You and all you do is open up with, oh, you've had a few weeks off.
1: Yeah, well, um, that was obviously to wind you up. But if you're not on the podcast, I consider it as time off. And yeah, you did well. Uh, you you plugged Oz Cricket Pod, then you got the name out eventually correctly. Um, but you excellent. So oh, that's so one
3: if name. It two different things. I wouldn't. I would know what to call it.
1: That's true. Good point. So probably we, we um, probably
2: should change the handle. You know, manners. It's a, it's a lot what? easier to change the Twitter handle these days than it used to be. I think no, it's taken a lot of actually. People
3: actually, ask me because I tag it on Instagram. Some people have actually dm'd me and said I can't find those cricket pod mm. anywhere. Yeah. And I've had to explain no you've got to find cricket unfiltered. And you know I why? Because I go I don't know because it's made by a weird bloke called Menace.
1: <laughs> you know, you know I'm not that weird, Delisa. It was called the Australian Cricket Podcast for 5 years before it changed its name so hence was well, cricket, cricket pod. Should we go back to the Australian Cricket Podcast to fit the handle? No, we you could should, do it that way. Cricket
3: unfiltered.
1: All right. And, look, we've got a comment here. Just, look, Scott, I'm sure, is a really nice guy. Hey, meners I'm guessing this is starting at 7 p.m. Australian time. I'm in the U.S. and it says starting at 7 p.m. So I think you need to enable time zone adjustment or some shit. Scott, how dumb do you think we are? It's 12 PM Australian time. YouTube, what it does is it adjusts to your time zone wherever you are. So it is actually seven PM in the States. We're doing this for our very large and burgeoning US audience. We're going into US prime time.
3: We made the main like YouTube made it easier so it localizes to your state and that's just confused everyone. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Scotty, uh, we, we've gone for twelve o'clock lunchtime in Australia.
2: Um, Scotty, look, let's get I this- a, yes, well, I, I'm a big fan of time zones. If you're, if I'm guessing for seven p.m. <laughs> your time, Weather that must time mean zones. that you are on Central U.S. Central Time, so not on the East Coast, not in Mountain Time, but you're somewhere like Chicago or somewhere. Now, can you please confirm if you're on U.S. Central Time? Thank you.
1: Love our American audience, Scotty. Please um, tell us where you are. <laughs> is black. So This is a, like a mess. Um, <laughs> Alrighty, so
3: I was actually... I just I got actually, a message, actually, if you must know, I just got a message from a person I was supposed to interview at 1.30, but I thought, oh, no, I can't go to that because um, I can't, don't know if I'll be finished with the podcast. Obviously, the podcast comes before everything else because I'm scared of manners. So I'm sending my colleague... And so I had to text the person and say, I'm sorry, my colleague is going because
1: the podcast rules my life. And great rules my life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, good, good, Jaleesa, good commitment. Um, you did great, by the way, this morning on Breakfast Radio. Go, oh, sorry, I, I, was, I was a bit, I was saying the holiday stuff was a joke. I know you've been working hard. <laughs> but you were great yeah. this morning. Like, I've listened to Vossi. You and Jimmy are much better than him. Like you oh. should be doing the main breakfast and he should be doing summer breakfast. You are funny, uh, sense of humour. Actually, Jimmy was good. Like uh, he can be a bit dry sometimes, but he was bouncing off you nicely. So, mate, A plus to you and Jimmy Smith. I reckon, um, you know, it's a good combo. Well done.
3: Oh, thanks, Menace. That's so nice of you, actually. Both of you have been so very supportive into my lead-up to this because I obviously have not really done I've done a little bit of radio here and there on guest appearances, but um, I haven't done it before. And both of you sent such lovely messages um, to me. I do think Bossy is absolute king, and I don't think we'd be replacing Bossy anytime soon, but that's really nice of you. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I'm telling you, from a listener's point of view, you, you're way more interesting. Uh, and it's just, just a note. It is Norwich, not Norwich. Oh, just I so you know, I when you're re-
0: reading Premier so League funny. scores again.
2: <laughs> uh, anyway so menace uh, has a limit to how much praise you can give you have to balance it out with
3: <laughs> yeah with uh, i've know. got
2: notes. <laughs>
3: did you also hear the bit where i completely tuned out of what we were doing and then completely i was like oh that's right i'm supposed to be reading text messages and no, i was totally lost <laughs> but anyway
1: <laughs> no i didn't hear that bit unfortunately i, I just listened to, to, to the to podcast bits I just listened to the podcast bits, um, so I woke up in a bit of a shitty mood this morning. Nothing to do with uh, the cricket podcast or anything. Just and then I put on like a BBC Five Live podcast with Toughers, Mark Chapman, Alex Hartley, and they were just pissing and moaning about the English performance. I felt much better because <laughs> they are so pessimistic about the first test.
3: Right. Whereas
1: I, I, I sort of think there's bits and. England should be happy about. I mean, Jalisa you start things off. I mean, were England that bad in the first test?
3: Uh, they, look, no, because I'm heading into on Saturday, you thought, okay, they can actually, um, there's a bit of a fight back mounting here and they can maybe put up a little bit. I, I, I still didn't think they were going to win, but I thought maybe they could put up a bit of a fight back so it wasn't as embarrassing. Um, I think they made just such a big mistake having both Broad and Anderson um, out that I don't think, uh, well, they won't make that mistake again. They'll play them in um, Adelaide and um, I think Adelaide will be a much tougher contest. Um, But I would be pretty pessimistic, I guess, looking at the score. Yeah, but there were things that were good about the game too. It wasn't a complete collapse.
2: If I was the England coach or, or an England fan, I, I'd be saying that had they won the toss and bowled, had, had they picked broad, and had they not bowled you know, a multitude of no right. balls, then they might have actually won the Test match. Um, you know, I, I think that looking at them before the series, player for player, I thought, in Australian conditions especially, mm-hmm. Australia are a better side. They're not a chasm. There's not a chasm separating them, but it's enough that all things being equal, Australia probably should win. But yes. if England get conditions in their favour or happen to have a really good game, they could certainly win. I think this was their opportunity that I think that we should be now looking back and saying, oh, it's not all doom and gloom for Australia. Even though we lost, we had demonstrably the worst conditions and we ran them close. You know, Maybe um, it was a, a close finish and England just won and we could be saying, well, that's what you get when you get the better of the conditions. So massive opportunity for uh, squandered for England. But I think they can say, they won't make those same mistakes again in Adelaide. As you said, Julissa, they'll, they'll pick a better side. The no-ball issue will, will, will disappear because the technology will be back. And who knows in terms of who gets the better of the, the conditions. That's the, the, the great unknown. But, so th- they're definitely a chance. Australia deserve to start favourites. But, you know, uh, England, an England victory wouldn't surprise me.
3: I was really disappointed to hear Pat come and say that he would have bat um yeah. if he'd won the toss. I was I was like, oh gosh, this could have been a really good convinced that's a mind to
1: game. Tough as is Sorry? convinced that's my toughers is convinced that's mind games. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um I'm not so sure. I think they would have batted. Um, but also the fact that England have not gone into a test match without Broader Anderson for something like 10 years, it just seems very strange that the the first test of a massive series, you're not going to pick one of those. It, it seems like they kind of panicked. I find I it funny, the funny that Broad that-
3: must have had to have a injury because um, I I, I just thought he must have had an injury that they're covering up. But then when I read his article on the weekend, the column that he did for the Mail, where he basically said, I could have had a positive impact at the Gabba, which Mm -hmm. is a really lovely way of saying, I could have done better than the blokes (laughs) we had there. um, He's not injured. He wanted to be there.
2: They did the same with him. um, Was it not not this last... The years are fading into each other, but the... um, the last time they left him out of a test match, he then came back and had the best four or five test matches of his career. I find it funny that Tuffers thinks that of Australia. Australia famously kind of refuses to ever have any strategy. Our attitude is always, well, we're better at cricket. We're just going to play our game and beat you. The notion that Langer and Cummins have gone aside and said, listen, if we do lose the toss and if England do bat, although we were going to bowl, let's say that we would have batted purely (laughs) for strategic reasons. It's like, (laughs) it would be like if they said, we all had a game of chess before the match. They didn't do that.
1: Yes. Uh, but even even more than that, I think if if Cummins has said that, it's not to, for any sort of sly tactic. It's just because he's a nice guy and feels sorry for Root, and he's like giving him a pat on the back. Oh, don't worry, mate. I would so have batted.
0: So <laughs> no, I, I agree with
2: Jaleesa. I think it was um, it was probably a mistake that Cummins would have also made that same mistake. That uh, you know, it is a hot a lot of pressure to win the toss and bowl because you get criticised ten times as much if things don't work out, but. Think it was um it was a bowling day. All
1: right, let's look at the Australian performance, Jaleesa, What did you not like from the Aussies up at the Gabba?
3: Um, well, obviously Marcus Harris was uh, he struggled a bit, and I I um, didn't think that he probably should have been dope. No, I still would have liked Usman um to partner David Warner, but then as Paul pointed out on a few podcast ago, when he did the stats, it actually fell in Marcus Harris's uh, fav- favour. So um, stats-wise went with the right choice. I still would rather see um, Usman Khawaja. Uh There wasn't a lot not to like, I, I actually didn't think. Uh, th- probably the only thing I really didn't like was the comments um, that we just talked about when he said that he would have um, uh, batted as well I was like oh that was a bit weird um but anyway uh the rest of it I thought it was a great test match for everybody I was really happy to see Travis Head do really well and I think someone who probably hasn't got as much praise as he should have was David Warner um because I think it like it's a lot easier to come out and bat as Travis Head when Warner has kind of set up that platform um but Warner doesn't seem to get the praise ever in Australia he probably deserves. I think
1: Manus is Sorry. I think Marnus is the one. I think Marness hasn't got the praise. I thought that was a pretty much a yeah, chance that's true. innings. a number three, came out early, looked the sort of number three Australian cricket's yearning for that can come out in a, a tough situation and assess the conditions and guts it out. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed Marness's innings. Yeah,
3: yeah. One of the things that's
2: thing- probably a very fair point. I was disappointed. One of the podcasts I listened to. Um, there's a lot of criticism for Labuschagne for actually getting out, and uh, the bloke said that he almost gave him his bad player of the day as a cricket podcast called Cricket Daily, <laughs> hosted by Andrew Mensah.
1: Absolutely, I it was a shocking shot. If,
2: if Australia <laughs> had lost
1: that Test match, you could look at that Labuschagne shot as being, um, you know, a turning point. He just got out to a, a straight ball, just backing away and hitting it to point. Yeah, so I know you probably haven't listened, Jaleesa, but on our cricket dailies during the Ashes, Paul's got his stat of the day. And I've got my good day, bad day player. So, I which player? A of the,
3: I heard a couple of the good day, bad days. I heard you gave a bad day to Warney. You gave a yep. good day to someone super random.
2: <laughs> okay, well,
3: which is not. <laughs> obviously, made <laughs> obviously made an
2: impact. Obviously made an impact. Yeah, obviously. But and the you good days gave only. Ex- day to Labashane after day two. I think I did, Which
1: but is- the good day is only so I can do the bad day. That's that's the only reason <laughs> I did a good day. <laughs> to balance it
2: out. Yeah, because
3: yeah, you said on it that, that you'd have bad day, bad day if
2: you could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could. Exactly. You, you actually can, Matters. You can do what you want. It's your it's your show. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, bad day, bad day, and bad day if you want.
1: Yeah. Um. Other things that jumped out to me from the first test with Australia, I thought Cameron Green's bowling was exceptional, but that yes. shot in the first innings was really bad. Like what leaving basically letting the ball cannon into his stump. So um, it can happen early a in the innings
2: I think that's a good thing, though. I think in general, players don't leave the ball enough. They play at balls that they shouldn't. And look at Root's dismissal in the second innings where he played at one he really shouldn't have. If you leave the ball as often as you should, it probably means that every now and again, you do leave one that bowls you. And that's probably, um, maybe it's a it was a bad shot, but a good sign.
1: <laughs> yeah, when I interviewed Cameron Green uh, in the off season, I asked him what it was like facing Hazelwood and Cummins in a Shield match, and he said he was a, a bit daunted, like a bit. It was like a bit of a, a weird moment where you all of a sudden realise you're facing one of the best bowlers in the world. And I wonder if when he walked out to bat, just being on the biggest stage—I mean, there's nothing bigger than the Ashes—whether he was just kind of caught in the headlights for a second. And look, that wicket of Root will uh, help dispel any of those feelings, but. Yeah, something to watch out for, that's for sure.
2: Yeah, he's very uh, wh- exciting. I mean, he's, mm. um, the, the, the notion that we could actually rely on him as that there could be times when they are genuinely not sure who to give the second new ball to because green is a, is a viable option. That's tremendous. I read Pete Lawler's article today saying that he could be the all-rounder that England seem to have produced with both Flintoff and Stokes that Australia hasn't produced for a generation. So, yeah, it's really exciting what he might do.
1: Now, to the bad from the Gabba, and mainly the tech. So Cricket Australia took a big risk by sticking with their schedule and playing the first test at the Gabba. And an um, interesting point by Adam Collins was made when speaking to you, Julissa, on the radio yesterday, that they could have changed the schedule and brought all the teams into, say, Sydney, avoided quarantine, and had full broadcast crews. Instead, they took a risk, and we had the Ashes go down for half an hour. I mean, no TV and very few radio broadcasts from the Gabba. That that is a, I'm going to say a disgrace, but it's a shocker. It's, you know, imagine that had been the whole day. Imagine they couldn't get it fixed. Uh, Just, uh, yeah, very, very um, concerning.
3: It really shows up uh, when you've got people at the ground or people calling games off. The, what they call a tube which is just a screen um like everyone else has seen and media companies thanks for telling us what
1: a TV, tv is oh
3: okay no you're welcome oh you're just so young then as i just you know you just
0: look so you look so
3: youthful that i don't i forget how old you are sometimes so yeah. i just
1: gotta um i remember when we got color
3: <laughs> so but it, but it does really show up, media companies move more and more towards, it happens in the NRL a lot with the Raiders games, uh, calling it off a screen, um, and it's do it happening more and more in a lot of sports for obvious reasons. It cuts down broadcast costs and means you don't have to fly really expensive talent everywhere um, and talent who sometimes don't want to go places. But it is really shows up when you have these technical issues because the first thing I did was turn on air with our with healy and um the good our good friend barat um who were calling the game and listen to them and listen to it on the radio um whereas pretty much radio was the only medium where they were there and they could keep calling it uh for tv for obvious reasons is a problem because you didn't have the pictures it doesn't really make sense listening to someone call it over and over pitches
2: yeah it was a di- very disappointing but it did hearken back to some of the um Like it's kind of, there's something romantic about desperately trying to get a broadcast out in in any way that the old days where Australians on tours of India, they had the the mobile phone was the only way they could get coverage and they're passing the phone back towards each other. Um, Back in the Bodyline series... Alan Fairfax, uh, ex-Australian cricketer, was perched at the top of the Eiffel Tower and was broadcasting synthetically into London from there because I don't think they had any building tall enough in England that could do the job. So he was sitting in the Eiffel Tower, getting cables and then broadcasting across to London. There's, there's something beautiful about it, but um, yeah, you want it for about half an hour every 10 years and that's, a, that's about enough. So look, it's a quarant- it's a COVID times. There, I, I, can, I can forgive them, but it was a pretty bad look.
3: I liked um, the, how we started to get the very Sheffield Shield looking mm. um, test match. I was a real vibe.
2: But um, one the ten. other thing I was going to say is that it just highlights, as well, highlights as well how how good that how good the broadcast is when it works and with the technology and everything else. I was yeah. watching. Um, remember that game that Dean Jones famously got Curtly Ambrose to pull the um, wristbands off. I was watching that the other night, and a few moments later, one of the first things that Ambrose did was he hit Jones in front and there's a big lbw appeal i think it was probably just going over the top of middle stump but richie Benno sort of laughed and said that's going down leg and they just dismissed it and you look at it with modernizing there's no way known that was going down leg that we've all become so accustomed to brilliant cutting edge crystal clear technology and um, and everything in every way it was kind of nice to see how um how bad it was without it and remind us how good it is with it it how was at that, that have been, game um...
3: Sorry, just I wanted to just make the point, man, is it would have been really interesting to see a wicket in that period because they didn't have um, DRS to review it. So
2: Mm, that could have been a debacle. Like that could have been a real debacle.
3: Debacle. Like if they didn't have DRS to review a wicket, what what would have happened? It wouldn't have been fair. You couldn't dismiss someone. And what if
1: like there'd been a hat trick or something and no one had seen it, it hadn't been caught on camera. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I uh, yeah, but but it's less about you know you're making the point about the networks Jalisa, but I, I think the networks were in a tough spot for this game with the border restrictions um yeah. So, anyway, bad from the Gaba. They'll have to. Up, I think they've got to update their electricity supply up there so that doesn't happen again. But Australia will be forced to make some changes for the Adelaide day-night test that starts on Thursday night. Josh Hazelwood's been ruled out with a side strain. David Warner's in some doubt with uh, some bruising to the chest where he um, received a blow during the match and couldn't field. Um, I'll start with you, Paul. Nisa Richardson, take me through your argument. Who would you pick
2: and why? I think it's a moot point because I think it's just Richardson's a certainty, uh, and I'm happy with that. I think ultimately I would pick Richardson. And I, I looked into the stats just kind of expecting them to confirm that Richardson was a no-brainer. But Nisa, because uh, his record's pretty impressive, and his career is uh, very interesting. You put in the notes um, his overall record, which is excellent. Um, he's got an overall average of 24 Four, seven in first class cricket but when you compare that to Richardson's 21.11 that's you know Richardson's uh substantially better but Mises career is kind of in two halves at the end of the 2016-17 season he was a 27 year old he'd taken 53 wickets at an average of 35.8 and a strike rate of 66 so very modest returns for his first um years and you'd think oh well at that age that's that's kind of it but since then He's taken 183 wickets at an average of 21.2 and a strike rate of 48. Furthermore, he's got a batting average of 25 in first-class cricket. So um, pretty impressive figures. Jai Richardson's career, a shorter career, um, he's a, he's only 25, whereas Nisa's 31. Richardson, as I said, has taken his wickets at 21.1 and a strike rate of 48. So Nisa in recent years has kind of almost replicated what um, Richardson has done. So I think it is right that they pick Richardson, and I think they will pick Richardson, but I think that it underlines as well that it would be very sad if Nisa doesn't get an opportunity at some stage, and maybe that opportunity will come later in this series, or might not even come until the 2023 Ashes Tour, but at some stage, I'd love to see him play for Australia. Jaleesa, who would you pick?
3: I, I think um, Richardson um, is the choice. I just think the form that he is in in the Sheffield Shield at the moment, um, I you know, we love looking back at stats over their career but um, and they're all relevant, but I think that um, just the form he's in at the moment, I think he's in um, great. he's been in great form in the Sheffield Shield and he's been hampered by injury. I suspect he probably would have maybe, although it's hard to crack that fast bowling cartel, but uh, it maybe would have been he would have, if he hadn't had injury, probably would have played a, a bit more test cricket now, but he's had those shoulder injuries. It's a bit like a Pat Cummins, really. Like Pat was so hampered by injury at the start of his career that he could end up like Pat Cummins and go on and, um, and make a massive career for himself just with this one chance. So I am I think Richardson and I'm excited to see him. I think it would have been more and more like the like like replacement if it was Stark that was out, but um, I still think he'll do a great job.
1: Yeah, I've been wrestling with this one um, all night and maybe that's why I woke up in a bad mood because it's such a tough choice. Um, (laughs) uh, Look, I I probably feel like if you're going to have Nisa as your 12th man for 20 test matches, when someone's injured, you should play him. But also the the counter argument to that is, you know, Joe Richardson's coming back from a a really serious injury the last two years. So, you know, perhaps he would have been 12th man for the last 10 test matches had he not had that shoulder injury. So I'm sort of weighing it up. I'd probably go with Nisa uh, just because I I like his dependability. I like his extra experience. I think he's more similar to Hazelwood. But there's really not much in it. Uh, I think, you know, Paul, even when you look at the stats, you know, look at their overall career strike rate, Joe Richardson, 47.5, Michael Nisa, 51.6. There's only a few balls different and difference and yet Nisa's played three times as much. So, yeah, it's a line ball. I'd probably lean towards Nisa. Um, but, yeah, that, that's. I, I don't think they'll make a mistake whichever way they go, unless we lose and then I'll criticise all the decisions. It's not have a
3: wrong choice.
2: Hmm. It would be. I mean, if you're being strictly brutal about it, if we're if we're if we're going to say that England would be mad to pick a spinner, then um, as much as Nathan Lyon bowled well, maybe maybe they should pick Nisa instead of Lyon and um, Richardson instead of Hazelwood.
1: Yeah. The um, I, th- I thought Lyon bowled well on that last. Uh, yeah, he did. Day.
2: He did. But I'm just wondering, who, who do I think is going to bowl better in Adelaide? Maybe mm. AD, I'd pick Nisa, with, I don't know. And, yeah. plus the and I've
1: said Lubbershane would be a spinner. I mean, he bowls a lot for Queensland. He's been bowling plenty of overs. So he's, he could bowl 10 overs a day. Easy,
2: easy. Um, but you have that Travis conversation Head, with the GOAT. Travis Head is not the worst little off spinner as well. I think that he, that's something that he should really try to develop to, uh, if he's going to be a fixture in the Australian side, um, which I hope he is, uh, when we do those tours of the subcontinent a little bit of extra part time off spin will certainly come in handy
1: all right now the I'm other
2: selection oh, here we go go on
3: remember when steve smith used to get a few like bo- a few little stints at bowling they never do that anymore i wish they did do, do you remember that.
1: he was a leg spinner when he made his test debut
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> You turkey menace. Um, <laughs> that's just the cliche cricket comment that everyone brings out. Um, no, no, so, no, no. Uh, that's not the cliché. The cliché is to refer to it as the cliché. You just gave the cliché, menace. The, the cliché is the joke. It's gone to that level now. So you're a victim of that.
0: Um, I don't know where. I've, I don't know.
2: Have I gone around and around the, uh, come back? You've come back. You've Yeah, you've pushed through to the other side. You've gone um, full I'm, circles. I think Smith doesn't want a bowl. That's the weird thing that... You'd think um, it would be in his interest to, uh, because why not? But, yeah, it doesn't seem to want to.
1: All righty. Now, the other selection debate. David Warner's under an injury cloud, copped a big blow to the ribs. Uh, There's talk of a player called Bryce Street replacing – David Warner. So Bryce Street played for the Aussie A team, made 100 against the England Lions. He has a first-class average of 41. He's made five first-class hundreds. He's 23 years old. Now, I have commentated on a couple of games in the Shield. I think, Paul, you might have done one. He's one of the least exciting players I've ever seen, and that's not a criticism. Like, that, that doesn't mean he can't be effective at test level. But he – like, if you want to – a boring batter. He's the quintessential, um, you know, not pretty to watch, doesn't play many shots, but effective. Um, I wouldn't like to see him picked. I, I didn't think he was a test player when I saw him. I'd rather have Kawaja. I'll start with you, Paul, then. We'll go around the other way. Who would you pick to replace Warner, assuming he doesn't come up? Don't say Maxwell. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Madison, I'd pick. Um, <laughs> yes. It was like you're not gonna...
1: Doug Bollinger. I'll tell you what, Doug Bollinger, the worst cricket commentator in the world, poor Matty White says to him before the SCN night, who do you think they're going to pick to replace Hazelwood? He goes, oh, Scott Boland. He took five wickets against the Blues. Scott Boland's not even in Adelaide with the squad, you moron.
2: So can yes. I draw a line through that and saying, say the person you're ascribing as the worst commentator in the world you've just compared to me? No, not at all. No, not at all.
1: No, not at all. You are you are a thousand times better cricket commentator than him.
2: Anyway, like, um,
1: he said it seriously, an, without it like like oh they're going to bring Boland in from the fucking
2: Shield side. As an aside, uh, Warner should have been wearing a chest pad. I think that the the old eighties days when they would wear the helmets without the grill because they were they found it a bit disconcerting. I think a lot of them find the chest pad a bit constricting. But gosh. I bet he wishes he was wearing one now so he didn't have those bruising that, uh, you know, they should wear as much protective equipment as they can. I don't think i pick Street either, but I I wouldn't rule him out as someone for the future. But at the moment, with an average of 41 and a strike rate of 33. Now, I'm not bothered by it from aesthetic reasons. I just think if he's only scoring 33 runs per 100 balls at the shield level, he's not going to even get as fast as that at test level. So if he's scoring at 30 runs per 100 balls, that means that a typical first session of the, of day one, they bowled 25 overs. He faces half the balls. He's going to go into lunch 20, 25, not out. And I just don't think there's a great future in that at test level. Um, averaging 41 at a young age is impressive. He's one to keep an eye on for the future, but I wouldn't pick him now. Um, you know, jokingly, Madison averages 40 with a strike rate into the 60s, and he's averaged well into the 50s since he's been down in Victoria since um, the start of 2018, midway through 2018-19. He's averaging about 54, 55. Why not pick him? Um, but given that that's not going to be who they choose, then I'd, I'd be more than happy for them to pick Kawaja. I think it would be a mistake to go with Street at this stage.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I like Madison. I'm just not sure he's in the squad uh, if he's in Adelaide. Um, Jaleesa, who would you pick? Um, I would pick Are we still talking about Warner? Because I just got yeah. out for a second.
3: I, I yeah. would pick Kawaja. um in uh for Warner, I, I actually think he'll be fine though i think bruce ribs is one of those injuries not that i've ever had it but um listening to people speak about it it's one of those injuries that's like incredibly painful and all takes is time to get over it but it's not something that you can do anything for um and he will have had a very long time what will it be like just over a week. By the time the night starts, like it'll be it'll a, be a week, week. Yeah,
1: from when he was here. Yeah.
3: So I, I actually still think we'll see David Warner out there, especially if um if uh they're bowling um then yeah I think that we'll still we still see him out there.
2: I think he'll probably play as well, and I hope he does. Yeah,
1: yeah. That was great to see him back scoring runs. Alrighty, um, last preview before we get into the cricket headlines, last bit of the preview. Um, Jaleesa, are you expecting an England fight back in Adelaide? Do you think we'll head to the MCG one-all?
3: I definitely am, and I actually think Stuart Broad will have a huge impact because I think that he's now feels like he's got a bit of a point to prove. So uh, I think he'll have a massive impact for England, and um, I, I look forward to a good fight back. It would be great. Um, I uh, know, it's really hard to say when you're Australian, but it'd be great to see them win this test match, um, just to make it all a bit very interesting. It'd be cool. It'd be so cool, and I don't think it'll happen, but it'd be so cool to go to the fifth test as a designer.
2: That would be great. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, um, Who what... do you think? Um, um, who do you think they'll go with? Um, England in in the in the bowling department. Do you think they'll pick um, Anderson, Broad, Wokes, and Robinson or do you think that they'll keep Wood? Um, what do you think? And what do you think, Julissa?
3: Um, I think I'd probably, yeah, go with that. And I definitely think they'll definitely bring both Anderson and Broad back. I think it actually would have made much, far more sense to leave one of them out of the Gabber and like sort of rotate them a little bit and have one always there. If you did feel like you had to rotate them but not have both of them missing at once was crazy and then have both of them back um, for Adelaide so I think
1: they'll they'll both be out. Yeah Paul you mentioned earlier in the podcast about Broad being left out that was the first test of the 2020 season I think he did an interview on Sky Sports where he uh, com- complained bitterly and then he had a great rest of the summer so it could happen again here that he's stung into action yeah I think they'll bring both Anderson and Broad back in assuming their fitness I think Wokes will miss out um, so I think they'll play Wood and Robinson and Leach will obviously miss out as well. I I, there, I heard um, one of the pundits, I think it was the guy from the BBC, Stefan Schmelt, saying that, you know, that Smith's been out to left arm spin a few times and maybe the English just got caught up in their own tactics thinking we'll play Leach just to try and get Smith out, forgetting that there's 10 other players.
3: Mm. It's
2: like the... Um the most insipid version of the bodyline tactics ever. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> Bradman will, will try to <laughs> knock his head off with Smith. We're going to play a sort of a left-arm <laughs> orthodox. He has a few times he's tried to. I remember him trying to cut Harath and um, the ball hurrying on. But I, I don't think that's what the. I would be surprised if that was their reasoning, and I'd be amazed if that was their reasoning. It'd be interesting with Wokes because I, I think you're probably right, and they probably will leave him out, and it'll be hard to drop Wood, but maybe Wokes. Under the, under the lights of Adelaide, that's the place where he might be the most dangerous and save wood for – I think that's what I'd probably do, I'd probably save wood for Melbourne.
1: Mm. Yeah, so look, I, I'm hoping for an English fight back a bit like Jaleesa, but I think if you remember the last Ashes, you know, in, there were times in Adelaide where it looked like England could get back in the series and then they lost and that was kind of – they're 2-0 down and it's, you know, pommy bingo again. So I just hope that doesn't happen.
2: Yeah, the series deserves more. That it's it's such anticipation, and it's the, the every session is so captivating. If it was to be two 0 going to Boxing Day, a, and realistically the Ashes are all but over, that would that would be disappointing. I think the Ashes deserves more than that. As Jaleesa said, as much as I think that they shouldn't have played the f- fifth Test in Hobart, I'm kind of coming around to the idea. And um, if the world was uh, conducive, I wouldn't mind going down there for it. It would be um, it'd be pretty fun, I reckon.
1: Alrighty, well, for those leaving comments, we will get to them at the end of the broadcast as we do for all our live things. Um, so that's our preview of the second test. Let's get into the cricket headlines brought to you by Piccolo Podcasts. So, talking of the fifth test, the first headline is that Cricket Australia, for some unknown reason, have decided to play the fifth test in Hobart when plenty of bigger, more prestigious venues were available, we will have the deciding ashes played in front of a few thousand people under lights in Hobart. Um, Jaleesa, you happy with the decision? As you can tell, I'm not.
3: Uh, well, I want the Tasmanian government to be uh, negotiating my next contract because no. I think they're the ones that have done the heavy lifting on and the hustling on this. So, um, And they've been talking about it from the after this absolute start. Um, getting it down there. They really went hard on it. Seems like they went hard on it more than any other state. Um, perhaps Queensland did a little bit, but I don't know. New South Wales didn't seem that interested.
1: Um, so that you made a good point on the radio this morning that Perth are due to have an ODI at the end of January. See, I do listen. Yeah. So why couldn't they have given Hobart that ODI as compensation for the test match against Afghanistan and moved the Ashes test to a venue where? it was significantly more prestigious for such an occasion
3: no i had i don't i don't have a huge problem with it um being in Hobart. i have a little bit of a problem with uh cricket tasmania at the moment just the way that They've come out on the um, uh, things that they've said about the Tim Payne situation. And I think they I thought they'd shot themselves in the foot um, with things that they said about cricket Australia. But um, aside from that, I'm really happy for the people. No, you would um, you want
1: them you'd be happy if they played it in Borougha, wouldn't you? No, in front of like no, three hundred people. For the
3: people down there because it, it, oh look, it's there's a view. donkey walking
1: across the field. Hold on, no. hold on, Brody, no. just hold on. I cows are crossing. A
3: test match in Brewer and when I run the state, that's where it'll be. <laughs> but for now, I'm happy for it to be in Hobart because I, it's it is hard to like it's impossible for them to get much sport uh, to much live sport. I'm sorry, we are not attending. We have so much sport at the moment to attend in particularly Sydney and Melbourne, and they're not getting the crowds at any of them. So I'm happy for them to. Get a packed house out down there, and you know what? Fifteen thousand people can sound like forty thousand people, or sixty thousand people, or however many thousand people. And I'm actually really happy for for Hobart to have a to be
0: able to most, go to something. Most predictable.
1: Of... I shouldn't have asked you. I should have asked Paul. No, no I'm starting. I'm
2: starting to agree with jaleesa actually. And oh, I, really what I What, I, what I charmed want... you a breakfast radio charm. <laughs> what I want not star factor. I, what I want not to happen is for someone to go back and listen to all my comments about Hobart because I think I started um pretty against it went to virulently against it then went back to somewhat against it and now I'm almost for it so' I've, my credibility shot but um as I'm currently feeling I sense that it would be fun and if, if the weather is good and if um the crowds turn up it could be it could be really nice like you know if they, if they did get packed houses for all of the days and they get some some nice sort of mild evenings and a pitch that moved about a bit but not too much and we had a a really great test match it could be a joyful wonderful finish to to the ashes and as I did say in one of the earlier podcasts one thing that I would love to have come out of it is for them to say Hobart is now going to have a permanent spot as an ashes host along with Perth and we're going to go back to having six tests for the ashes I think that would be great
1: I would be happy with that. Absolutely. I mean that that would be my dream scenario: a six-test home summer every year, guaranteed. Uh, look, I, I I I hope it's not four-nil when we get to that test, but it could be. So it could be a bit of a sort of drab affair anyway, if it's you know it's people all going Australia's way.
2: Yeah, I think people um, are still set up. I mean, I oh they, yeah, absolutely. I was actually meant to go on and look at look at the ticket situation. Uh, maybe I'll do that before next podcast and see if there's anything that's already sold out and what prices the Just drop out Jaleesa
1: style and come back. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Just go. All right. Can we, um, can we go, can, if, while you're looking at tickets, Paul, can um, we get some and we, can, can we do a live pod from
2: there? We'd love to. That'd be, well, we should go down there and hope that the um, the audio fails and we're, we're the only ones who can commentate it um, maybe on... Some some bloke apparently was doing live updates like filming each ball on Instagram or something on, on <laughs> at the Gabba for a few balls. That would have been pretty cool. <laughs> um,
3: I kept suggesting that to, on Twitter. I said somebody just start live streaming it. Um, and from that your phone, would yeah. Taken down pretty quickly. <laughs>
1: All righty, next cricket headline. The Big Bash is continuing, or it's kind of started. I mean, we haven't recorded since it got underway. So every team has played three games apart from the Scorchers and Hurricanes who played two games each. The top five, and it's very early days, but you've got the Sydney Sixers in first spot, Perth Scorchers second, Melbourne Stars third, Adelaide Strikers fourth, Hobart Hurricanes fifth, and then you've got the Sydney Thunder, I mean Thunder, at six, <laughs> Brisbane Heat seven, Melbourne Renegades eight. Um, uh, my BBL highlight so far in the first week in a bit. Um, Dre Russ coming in for the Stars and hitting forty two off twenty one against his old team, the Thunder. He hit five sixes in that inning, so great to see Dre Russ in the. BBL, Matthew Wade lighting up the SCG, hitting 93 off 46 against the Sydney Sixers. As Greg Shippard said on the radio, they got weighted. The Sixers got weighted, um, Uh, So the Canes made two for 213, so excellent stuff. And then the other highlight was the Sixers, who were five for 39 against Hobart in the the fixture before down in in Blundstone, rallied to nine for 144. Moses Henriques made 73 off 48, and they won the game. The Canes made eight for 130. So from five for 39 to winning, that doesn't happen very often in T20 cricket. Um Jalisa, I mean I heard you on the radio today maligning the crowds at the Big Bash. What do you think? Yeah. Take me through it. You know, well, you can combine research here.
3: Well, first of all, can Look. I just say that um I had Moses on Rex um in my first week of Supercoach as my captain, <laughs> which means you get double points. So I was so happy with that. Um and that set me up for an okay super coach round. But um just on the crowds, the crowds are that is. terrible across.
2: Like, Sorry? Ben has reacted to your super coach mentioned that he was showing that he was uninterested. Menas, no, I, I'm, Jaleesa I, I, is dominating, um, super coach. There's about like 50,000 people. <laughs> and after round two, uh, Jaleesa's in the top 1%. Like you right. come out in the top couple of hundred. Um,
0: yeah.
2: it's not beyond the realms of possibility that she could actually win the whole thing. So men just because, as you said on the group text, your team was, um, you in know, involved in a fatal plane crash and had to be um, removed from the competition. Um, and my team might be catching the same airline soon, I'll give you the tip. Um, uh, <laughs> but Jaleesa is doing amazingly well, and we should acknowledge that.
0: Thank
3: you, Paul. And just um, just as I said on the group text, if Menes doesn't have a burner team out there somewhere, I'll be completely shocked. I
1: don't. I don't. Um, have, a, have a life instead.
0: <laughs>
3: I don't. I don't. It's now become my life. But yeah, crowds across the board, um, not just in BBL, but in um, all uh, sports at the moment are just shocking. Like the A League is struggling, NRL's been drifting for years, um, but BBL crowds have been particularly bad this season. And what is also really worrying for the B- BBL is okay, the NRL crowds are. Uh, I've been dropping for a few years but the TV um, crowds have stayed on the TV ratings for the BBL have also not been very good Um, and I don't know what it is I don't because I really like it and people keep saying um, oh there's too many games too many games too many games and I'm just I I just I don't understand that like what else are you watching at the moment what's everybody watching if they're not watching BBL can somebody please tell us because I am putting on every, every single night even if I'm you know, half, only half interested in a particular game. It's still a little bit of entertainment that's in the background. So I, I'm just really confused as to why. But I think also there's been some really poor fixture decisions. First of all, to have the first game on a Sunday night in the middle of uh, when it's not school holidays or anything, to open the season with a Sunday night game was completely ridiculous because Sunday, uh, the first um I mean, the Big Bash is where people, families go. It's all family orientated. That's how you get, you know, kids want to go and then you get parents and blah, blah, blah. So people are not going to take their kids on a Sunday night when it's not school holidays. Um, And then just ridiculous scheduling, which I know is WA's fault, but um, now that more Perth games are going to be moved and the mcg and then they're going to be nine o'clock at night well who's going to go into to a game till one o'clock in the morning in the middle of the week nobody
1: it's good for the tv and obviously that's for the perth audience to be able to yeah, watch well, their side like five uh,
3: people in, perth. in answer I, to your question I, yeah, we yeah. can't get into uh, so. perth at the moment and it's a whole other country so you know if they've got to move it and they've got to i'm i want them to be targeting more than a friendly time slot for everybody
1: yeah right. I don't have a problem with that late start. Um, I, to answer your question, I, I watched the last duel last night, a movie with um Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Yeah, anyway, you just asked what people are watching. Apart you didn't watch baby. the Big Batch. Uh, I stopped it early because it was a bit of a really? fizzer. Yep. Oh, I I stopped it about ten overs into the heat chase and watch the movie. So maybe there is Big Bash fatigue if I'm doing that. Yeah, um, no, if you're but,
0: doing but, that, that's
3: that worries me more than anything hi, else I've
1: heard. But historically the Big Bash is always a bit quiet leading up to Christmas. It yeah, always it kind of bubbles along in the background. Everyone's busy and then and then everybody, it picks up at the Christmas break. And I'm sick of, you know, that's what annoys me is like, and I'm sorry, Lisa, but everyone can't whinge either way. They whinge if it finishes in February or they whinge if it starts Early, so you got to put it somewhere. So, yep. do you when when you when do you want to play it? Like, do you want to make it just a thirty game comp again and play it in January? I mean, a lot no. of people want that, but I don't mind them warming up in December. You know, ratings aren't that bad. The Ashes got over a million up, a lot from the Indian series. So, people are watching cricket, and then when Christmas comes, everybody can tune in. Um, I just think that's the only way they can do it. better than finishing in mid February when the schools go back and everyone hates that even more.
3: I am in no way suggesting that. I, I completely agree with you. Like, that, that's a problem that can't be solved. What I'm saying is, like, more looking at the individual fixtures themselves. Okay, those Perth games had to be moved to the MCG, But they work
1: back. They go, yes, what, no, looks no, what looks good on TV? What looks good on TV? And then they work back. Sorry? They work back from the TV. Like, Sunday night's good for TV. They don't care if no one turns up
3: i'm sorry who is who is sitting there on a sunday night watching till 1 a.m in the morning unless you're a psychopath like myself you are not doing mm. that what they should have done was actually moved those games to the sunday early in the day afternoon like early afternoon then you've got your tv audience in perth is satisfied or move or, or yeah and then you've got crowds that can come on a sunday afternoon no, this way, nobody's going to be watching at 1am in the morning and no one's going to
2: be there. Why are we doing it? Paul? I think that um, <laughs> it's, it's a tough situation, though, for the Big Bash because with with COVID around, I, I, I think so many people have kind of got out of the habit of uh, going to games. I reckon a lot of people don't even know whether whether there are games that, that are non-ticketed. Like, that. some I people might think, oh, you, you know. So, I, plus... Often when the um, the international summer is good, I think it gives a um, a kick along to the Big Bash. I think at the moment when it's kind of directly almost in competition for me, I've watched a lot of the Big Bash this season. Although don't ask me what's happened; like it's gone in one ear and out the other. But sometimes after seven hours of the Test match, which seems like it matters, when it's suddenly the Big Bash and. There are precious few big names involved because of the Australian players missing, several of the overseas players not being able to come, the Australia A players being missing. That's what a lot of people have been complaining about, that it looks a little bit like glorified grade cricket to a degree, that there are a lot of also-rans. But I'm willing to give them a pass mark and say they were under very difficult circumstances this year. Let's wait to see what happens next year. But um, I did put in the notes how I was listening to SCN the other day and they're referring to Kane Corns talking about the fact that, in his opinion, the NBL is coming close to eclipsing the Big Bash as the sort of number one sporting league of the summer. I don't think that that's the case, but I do think it's a point that's worth considering. And I've thought this for years, that the NBL um, is very well run, basketball is a massive sport globally, and... It's something that cricket really needs to, to, to look out for and that they've got to make sure that you know, we don't want these games where there are not the, the stars playing too often. As I said, I'm willing to give them a pass mark, uh, like a, um, an exception this season, but going forward, they need to find a way to have as many of the Australian stars involved as possible. When the tournament began a decade ago, that wasn't a priority. I think that's changed and it's now a necessity.
1: Yeah, it's like um, the Sydney Kings want to be the first sports team to play on Christmas Day. Now, I've been banging on about this for years, that cricket mm. has to put a marker in the ground before somebody else does. And, and and you know, if, if the Kings take Christmas Day, you know, that be- could become a marquee fixture in the summer. that yep. cricket have just let languish there. Um, so, yeah, and I think that they shouldn't have played that Australia A game at the start of the Big Bash. I guess the, the border situation did make it, Complicated with the test, but you know you cannot take out thirty of your best cricketers yeah. for the start of the big bash. You can take out the test squad, but then everybody else has got to be there. um So I think they're, they're valid criticisms.
3: Yeah, I agree. The Australia game, like, sorry, who was watching? Like, yeah, when it's leading up into the test, I agree. But you know, I just think that also there is a little bit of COVID fatigue around because if if you um, like a couple of times, I've been a casual contact and I've had to miss work and mm. um, two days work to get tested and things like that. And so, you do sort of have this consideration at the moment where I'm like, Oh, if I go there, what if there's a case? Like, I'm not worried because I'm vaccinated, um, so I don't think I'll get sick. I have this false sense of security that I'm just young and healthy, but um, I'm more like, Oh, I can't miss like another couple of days work if I've got to get tested.
1: Yeah, it's all playing into low crowds, but hopefully, as I said, school holidays after Christmas, we see it all pick up again. All right, any um, other headlines you two want to touch on before we wrap this up with Can't Let It Go?
3: Um, Just sort of what you brought up before, which I was talking about on radio before when they were talking about that, um, that ODI on the 30th of January, and Mark McGowan has said, well, absolutely, if um, they want to, broadcasters want to get in and teams want to get in, which is New Zealand and Australia, then they're all going out to quarantine for 14 days, despite the border being open um, on the 5th of February, um, which I, in one way I'm glad that he's not being lenient towards um, sporting teams and not people whose families are dying. So I heard There's no double standard there. But um, that ODI will not happen.
1: No, and and also McGowan coming out with that has killed the big bash for the Scorchers. I think they've got one more game at home, which is a quirk of fate that they can get a team in who hasn't been to New South Wales or Victoria, but the Scorchers are going to spend the rest of the big bash on the road like the Sixers did last year.
3: Yeah.
2: One more from me, just back on the test front. um, I have really delighted in the reporting around the fact that Cummins does seem to have made a decision to uh, enforce a, a high level of grace with the Australian side and, you know, the whole notion of, well, that's the way we play. You've got to have the mongrel and sledge, otherwise we can't win. Um, that insane notion is hopefully going to be put to bed. And I would absolutely love it if over the next few years, the Australian team plays the way I always wanted them to. And that is keep every bit of their hundred percent commitment to uh, every minuscule amount of, you know, diving for balls when there's no point in, sa- when there's, when they're, when they're going to run for anyway, I love that attitude, but cut out the nonsensical yeah. sledging. Uh, the way that Travis Head reacted when he copped the um, ball in the on the full, the beam ball from Mark Wood uh, was was lovely. Like he just realized there was no intent in there, smiled and was really nice about it. That's the way I want the Australian side to play hundred percent hardcore going for it, but none of the graceless, charmless, boorish stuff that makes us loathe around the rest of the world. if If Cummins can lend if Cummins can see in an era like that, he's going to go down as one of the best captains we've ever had. Yeah,
3: I 100% agree, Paul. And I, he didn't he look like he just, I mean, it was an easy test match to enjoy mm. as an Australian captain, but he just looked like he had the biggest smile on his face in every interview he did after it. He looked like he was just in his absolute element. He was joking around with people interviewing him. He was. It wasn't tense at all. And I thought the one really telling sign of his captaincy was when he revealed that Cameron Green had apologised to him <laughs> for over-celebrating. I thought, first of all... That was just so sweet because it was just not, he, he didn't over-celebrate. He celebrated. He didn't, you know, do a really big send-off or anything. He was just so happy. It was more a reflection of him getting his, his own wicket. Um, and I, But I thought the fact that he felt like he should go and apologise to Cummins shows that Cummins has set a really mm. high standard of how they should play. And Cummins found it obviously very endearing.
1: Absolutely. Well, that is the cricket headlines. For those listening, um, you can watch our Cricket Daily episodes or most of our Cricket Unfiltered barring technical issues on our YouTube page. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram, Aus Cricket Pod. that's A-U-S Cricket Pod, because the podcast was originally called The Australian Cricket Podcast. We're also on Facebook as The Australian Cricket Podcast and on TikTok as Cricket Unfiltered. Um, so easy for you to decipher all those so really, um, messages. So it's
3: really straightforward.
1: absolutely but if if you go onto something called google and put in cricket unfiltered podcast you will find everything all right let's get into can't let it go that little bit of cricket news you just can't let go through to the keeper paul do you want to open up with this one
2: yeah sure i just found it um, amusing it was reported in the sydney morning herald that uh joe root was defending his decision to bat first and kind of implied that he would continue to make brave decisions throughout the series. And I thought, wait a minute, batting first was the, was not the brave decision. The brave decision would have been to bowl first and immediately invite the criticisms and ridicule and comparisons of what Nasser Hussain did in 2002. You know, bowl first in Australia is two for 350 at the end of the day and you are going to be pilloried like Hussain was that would have been the brave decision and it would have been the right decision. So it's annoying to me that he, A, he made the wrong decision, B, that he's doubling down on saying it was the right thing and C, that he was saying it was actually the brave decision. Um, that is uh, that is nonsensical. And as much as I think that Joe Root, best test batter in the world, lovely guy, beloved by his team, as I said on Cricket Daily the other day, um, he's he's too defensive as a captain. Um, he reminds me a bit of Alistair Cook. They need someone a bit, with a bit more... Um, Aggression to to lead the side, or Joe Root's got to get that because um, he's he's made a succession of poor decisions. That, you know, in the summer, not chasing down a target set um, in the sorry in the English summer as well. So yeah, um, disappointing. And um, hopefully, he, he gains a bit more um, courage to make tough decisions going forward, and, and doesn't claim that he's making them already.
1: Yeah, Chipelli's not a fan, that's for sure either. Um, <laughs> Jalisa, what's your can't let it go?
3: Uh, well, my pilot ago was going to be Mark McGowan um, and right. the whole uh, ODI thing. But, I like it. So we've already sort of covered off that because you mentioned it earlier. But um, no, no, I asked also, you, I was, asked
1: you, I asked you for a headline and then you brought it up. But go on.
3: You had already brought it up.
1: <laughs> no, go on. Sorry, go on.
3: We, I, will, I will fight you. <laughs> um, so, my, uh, all I was. So, my second one is all I'm going to say is um, thoughts and prayers to all of the um, great cricketers and par cricketers and everyone who uh, plays cricket for fun at the moment because you've had a terrible start to the season, barely being able to play because it keeps raining on the weekend or it's raining leading up to the weekend. And how do I know this? Because my partner Nick plays cricket and he will not stop whinging about how. Who does he has play for? To play.
1: What club does he uh, play for? He plays for
3: Lane Cove. But, like, just yeah. for fun, he's, like,
1: yeah.
3: you know, just he's not
1: mm.
0: very good.
3: <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but he would admit <laughs> himself, He's, you know, he's just doing it for fun. But uh, and on Saturday it was really funny because they, you no, know, Sunday, they called the game off on Friday and the weekend was actually really good and really sunny and he was, like, moping around and he goes, well, there's kids outside playing cricket, so why can't I play cricket? I was like, well, that's yeah, was- probably wet. I don't know. So thoughts and prayers to everyone who's having to listen to that at the moment.
1: Yep, I've been commentating on New South Wales Premier Cricket on a Sunday, so it's still going on. I was out at Penrith on Sunday. Oh, well, don't
3: tell Nick that because he's very angry at anyone else. It was beautiful weather. We play cricket,
1: and it was just across the road from the new American burger chain. Five guys, literally across the road. So I got to go and have um, five guys for American burger fans for Scott dialing in from the US. There you go. Um, I had mine with mustard, barbecue sauce, and grilled onions. Because at Five Guys, it's you—it's literally just hamburger, cheeseburger, bacon, whatever, and then you add any toppings you want. Um, but it's not like a yeah. Anyway, um, my cut, my my can't let it go is not my awesome not my awesome burger that I had. But two things. Firstly, how much joy I derive from deleting my Super Coach team. And look for those that do, for those that do play you Super deleted Coach. It.
3: I've looked you up. No, trust
1: me. You are trust deleted. me. Trust me. It's gone, and the I can't yeah, even you're in log my in.
0: League.
1: Well, uh, that's a technical error because there'll be no more adjustments made. It's gone. Uh, and look, I I, I don't want to begrudge people that enjoy it, but I I should have stuck to my first instinct that. You know, there's about a million things I'd rather do than attend to my super coach team. So um, that was very therapeutic. And the other one was, and look, Jaleesa, you're doing great. Really proud of you. Uh, you know, on radio, super coach, TV. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's amazing what this podcast has done for your career. And then, and then the final one was, I went to the servo yesterday, and I saw they had cricket trading cards. Now I used to love cricket cards as a kid, so I bought a packet just for old time's sake. And I got Josh Inglis and Travis Head, two of my favourite players. So really thrilled with that. Um, I'm hoping, you know, to find some, like, eight-year-old boys to trade with, um, trade cards, you know. So, um, you know, I could get done. I might get get done on the internet. Yeah, like, yeah, like. (laughs) Dad, there's this 45-year-old guy messaging me, wants to swap trading cards. And I was like, have the police turn up on my door. Um, but anyway, I, I quite enjoyed the trading card, so um, <laughs> brought back some good memories. All righty, well, that was mine.
2: That's pretty Julissa. So Menes' team is still uh, present on your table. Is that right?
3: Yeah, it's still in my league. I looked it
2: up. Let's keep on taking screen caps of it as it drops lower and lower but he doesn't adjust it. Um, <laughs> and keep on shaming him. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That'd be great. <laughs> right, let's
1: quickly just part. There's some great comments here from the viewers. Uh, Rahul, would you look at that? It's my Spotify top podcast of 2021. You've got excellent taste, Rahul. Well, oh, there's some bad noise coming, so my end this pretty soon. Yeah, we'll just end this. There's some, some ruffling going on. Um, so the connection's getting unstable. Thanks to everyone that have watched live. Bye, everyone.
2: Bye